Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D show episode 442. I'm your host, Bob Wallenspiel, hanging out with co-host producer extraordinaire, Randy Walker. Guest this week, Brian Schneebs, Schneebly. He's from Abnormal Security and the Great Security Debate podcast. You can check us out online, IT in the D Dot com. Do us a favor, give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Also, check us out at meetup.com slash IT in the D. Uh, third Thursday, we we're going to be one last time at Nancy Whiskey's right on the patio. It was a great time last time. No speakers, no cover, just a bunch of IT folks. Actually, we might get our, um, our cover paid this time, Randy. Nice. Yeah. You know what? I need to do this whole thing over again. Oh, I forgot about the read. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> You're good. But I'm actually looking forward to the next get-together. All right. There's the read. All right. You ready? Scrap it. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll just trim it. All right. Whenever you're ready. All right. Welcome back. Thank you for hanging out with us once again. This is the one and only IT in the D show. This is episode 442. I am your host, Bob Waltonspiel, hanging out. Co-host, producer, extraordinaire, Randy Walker. Guest this week, Brian Schneebs, Schneebly. He's from Abnormal Security, the great security debate. Always a good time talking to him. We're going to get into email security, hacking, all that good stuff, podcasting. And, and he's he's for great stories, so it should be a great conversation. You can find us online, itinthed.com. And do us a favor, give us a like on the socials, subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Uh, don't forget meetup.com slash IT in the D. Check us out where we're at. Third Thursday, we're going to be last time. Nancy Whiskey's, no speakers, uh, no cover. Uh, we might get some free drinks actually this time because uh, we are being sponsored. And uh, I want to talk to you real quick. If you haven't, uh, if it's not on your calendar, check out the second annual cybersecurity summit. It's rated one of the top five InfoSec conferences worldwide. It's being held Tuesday, August 16th this year. We're a proud partner of this event and we have exclusive complimentary admission for our network, for our friends. You can get eight continuing credits by attending the whole day in full. Do us a favor, register with the code IT22D and get a free pass at cybersecurity summit slash summit slash Detroit 22. It's at the Marriott Renaissance Center, uh, August 16th, 2022 this year. Uh, actually, it's a couple of weeks, isn't it? God, it's, it's August already. I cannot believe it. But yeah, do us a favor. Uh, we'll put the link in uh, in the show notes, but uh, use for cybersecurity summit and uh, your free pass using code IT22D. Hope to see you all there. Brian, what's going on, buddy? Not much. And I'm actually really glad you just gave that whole introduction about the cybersecurity summit because like i'm sitting here trying to pull it up real quick i don't know that i even had that in my calendar well see there you go look at this there you go yeah actually the keynotes uh yeah u.s department of homelands leading the keynote um a whole bunch of dark trace cisco checkpoint blackberry blackberry still around yeah um yeah it's c-suite and down so yeah it's gonna be it should be a good time and is it is it open to the public meaning you, you can you know you get a free pass if you use that you know code but yeah but if i but if i'm a vendor that's not yeah. a sponsor yeah still you're good yeah this is for yeah this is for peeps yeah beautiful well 
folks, you'll probably see me there as well. <laughs> Whether or not you wanted to, I'll be there. Right, right. So, the, Brian, this conversation is so timely. I just had, I swear to God, it was a half an hour conversation with my mother. And it went something like this. She goes, hey, I got an email. And it says I got to renew my Norton or they're going to charge me $400. I'm like, Ma, just delete it. Yeah, but it says I got to get the $400 and I don't want them to charge them. Ma, they don't have your banking info. They want you to call a number. And she says, and it tells you to call a number. I says, I just told you, it says call a number. And she goes, but I don't want it to try, hit my bank account. I go, Ma, they don't have your banking information. And I'm sitting here. I swear to God, this went for 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm, I started to raise my voice and I felt bad because like, you know, my dad just passed and she's like learning technology and I'm usually pretty calm with it. But this time, like, I'm like, you're not listening to me. Just don't, don't do anything. And it's a- this is amazing that you bring this up. That same Norton antivirus, that same thing just happened to a family member of mine. Not immediate, but family member of mine who reached out to my mom to ask if they could talk to me. And this went way down the rabbit hole. So when you were saying, oh, just delete the email. This family member not only read the email, then contacted them, right? Like, was like, wait a second. He's like, I don't have Norton antivirus. So he calls and they're like, "Um, well, well, if you don't have it, you you obviously need something for security for your computer. And this is how great it is. He goes, well, I don't have a computer. I just have my cell phone. And they're like, oh, well, that's even better. So it's half price. We're going to send you this link. and, and he, he, he clicked on it. He was on the phone, and I, I don't want to get too long-winded with this, but he was on the phone literally for probably like an hour and a half, at which point, and, and he's very studious, he had already just sold his business, all right, he's going into retirement, and he gets online, and he's seeing money being moved, and immediately he knows there's an issue, but he's not sure like what to do. Same for iPhones so these days. he continues to try to get the people back on the phone. He's talking to them, and he goes to the bank, and he's trying to put them on mute and whispering to the bank teller like, hey, I think somebody's stealing money from me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he, he tells me then, so this apparently happened like a month ago, and he's going through the whole thing. But the reason he was calling me was he got all of his money back. Like what they tried doing too was – and, and this is how deep they went into everything that he they could pull on him. They were over. They were making payments to a property he owned, overpaying what the mortgage was, right? And it was creating all sorts of hassle. And he did everything through one bank, which in the long run turned out to be a good thing in terms of where he had his mortgages, banking, you right, name right. it. He gets all his money back, but he's calling me because he's like, Brian, what do I do with my phone? He's like, do I do I throw this out and get a new phone? Do I need to get a new phone number? Do I need to get a new email address? And he's trying to explain to people, like, what what happens next, right? Like, you know, typically you wipe your phone just like you would wipe a computer. He's like, well, how do I wipe my phone, Brian? And you know, and then I'm talking to him about MFA, like simple little things, right? Like well, things to us, you, to us. Right. But I feel like if you're selling a cell phone today, like first thing you're doing is teaching them how to set up like Google Authenticator, right? Because the the phone is going to be similar to like the, the vehicle in the future, right? Yeah. The phone is just this piece of hardware that allows you to have all these applications on it. That when's, you can the do time, bi- when's the last time you got a new phone? Three and a half years ago. They don't want you in the store anymore. 
Like they want you to buy it online. Like if you go there to get your stuff done, they want they they will broom you out so fast because they used to sit there with you, move all your shit over, right? And then they talk to you, and then maybe there was some someone there to fix it. Yeah, they they don't they they want you out. They want you to buy it online. Like they they want nothing to do with you anymore. It, it's so sad because that used to be like. You know, it's kind of like when Blockbuster closed. And like, where am I going to go for my movies now? <laughs> I don't care about Netflix. <laughs> no, no. If they could make the the process of buying a phone as seamless as ordering a movie on Amazon or Netflix, maybe. Right. But I still feel like you try to transfer over all your data. Even going into the store, they were never able to get that right. No, it's 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 super. Like I'm Samsung, and it's super clean. It didn't take long, and it was like it was nothing to do it. Like, I just got a new phone. Like it was nothing to do it. So they've 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 improved that a lot. What, no, is, that be, is that because you use a Chinese app so that it, I mean, it just sends all the information there yes. first, then TikTok. they copy and send it right back. So speaking of that, you know what I love about security? Everyone knew TikTok was a dumpster fire in terms of privacy rules and everything, right? And it, it took Joe Rogan, like idiot comedian podcaster Joe Rogan, to read the T's and C's and go, "Holy shit!" And now it's on the news. It just it's so funny how backwards our society's become where it's like the news should have told us this first. Like, hey, one of our investigative reporters read the terms and conditions and we'll tell you after sports and weather. No, now it's you know, podcaster Joe Rogan says it's like, wait, what? But a, but a year and a half ago they were talking about that when when they wanted to ban TikTok. But nobody cared. Yeah, but the problem is the the people that you have explaining it, right? It's, yeah. it's like it's like sending in, I, I don't know. It's, companies are looking to hire a, a BSO and a CISO now, right? What's and a BSO? A business information security officer. Stop, really? Yeah, somebody that can articulate to the board to everybody from a business side security needs and vice versa, two way street, right? But see, I always thought the CISO had needed to have that skill. See, back when I was even in automotive, right? Like it. We weren't selling software. We were selling finished good parts, but we only wanted to hire engineers as salespeople because they needed to read drawings, right? But how many engineers could you find that could also go out, entertain, have a conversation, be able to explain something to the purchasing person who has no clue what you're talking about on stack up tolerances and everything else, but you also need to be able to go in and talk to the engineers about why that's an issue and they're going to pay more for this design change, right? That's why you need the guy that takes the designs and then he goes and talks to the other people. He's a people person. He talks to people. That's why you need that guy. And this goes back to what you were just saying about the cell phone. Like now, well, they don't want you in the store. You order it online. They're getting rid of all their overhead to just keep increasing profit. But this is the same reason why Google, Apple, and everybody else didn't want to make cars. Because after three, four years of investigation, they realized, holy shit, our investors aren't going to be happy with 5% profit. Are you kidding? We currently right. make 200. Right. So, you know, it's funny, email security, you know, we, we, you know, never really thought much about it until you meet that one person that tells you that one story about that spoofed email from that CEO to that CFO. And they wrote a check for $750,000 and they wired it. And then they go out and buy like a billion dollars worth of proof point. And you're like, what in the world just happened? And apparently, and like, you're in this business, you know, this way better than me, but like this crap happens more than once a day. Like locally, I, I would assume not not to that degree, not that to that amount. You'd actually like, be surprised. Like it, it, it happens more often than not. And what you're seeing is 
I think it was the FBI report from 2021 had it like, you know, at $4.1 billion, right? Um, And I think with reporting, that number is going to go even higher. And don't quote me on those numbers because I don't have anything in front of me. But those numbers are going to go even higher as people actually have to report on it because it's considered fraud, right? But it's money out the door. Imagine this. You're in talking to a company, Bob, and let's say you just mentioned Proofpoint, right? You're talking about a product that and people ask me, like, Brian, why did you leave EDR when it's the hottest thing in the market right now? Insurance companies are making every company buy EDR. Like, yep. only 30% of companies have it. Like, you have a 70% growth growth rate there, right? Everyone's flipping AV off left and right. Why? Because it, it looks at known bad. You're querying a database for known bad. It's the easiest get around. And most of the guys that created EDRs tell you, like, where they began their career, breaking into AV, like how, how easy it was. And that was 15 years ago. Right. Like, when you look at email security, email security was created back when it was exchange servers, when you were on-prem. Sure. Office 365 and G Suite didn't even exist when those products came out. So but even when they even when they came out, they weren't very rare. They weren't adopted as they are now. No, it, I feel like I feel like everybody pretty much just moved over. Yeah, and it, it, to be honest, everyone was looking at. I, I shouldn't say everybody because automotive companies are kind of some of the last to move sure. to the cloud. I'm surprised talking with people how many people still have some on-prem exchange, and they're like, "Well, we're, we're we have plans to move." And then Microsoft's kind of forcing that issue themselves, but. You look at the known bad signature email security. It's literally where EDR was coming into the market. As everything began to move to the cloud, all these email security companies created a solution that was based around or predicated around spam and traditional malware. But is that really what you're worried about today? Spam and traditional malware? You were worried about spam because you wanted to keep work going, right? People's yeah. inboxes were getting filled. Guess whose inboxes are getting filled now? The security teams, because now you're required to do quarterly training for phishing. And if you put out there that if you fail it once, this happens, fail it twice. So what do people do? They just send everything they think is phishing straight into the phishing mailbox. Now security teams, instead of looking at 30 or 40, are looking at hundreds of these, right? So what's your take on that? Is it Do you get a hand slap? Do you get publicly shamed or you let it go and you just have a talk at the coffee cooler? at the water cooler because I've, I've had mixed i've talked to three different companies and they're like we want to publicly shame the people that click that button and some people are like i do not want to make them feel bad they clicked it and then some are like we're just going to talk to them in passing and i'm like you get it, whatever it is you gotta have it's gotta we gotta define it because you can't just so, you know do it half-ass and i'm not going to name names here because i just got done talking to six CISOs in a group about this very same thing and my personal opinion is People are your strongest assets, regardless if at times they could be your weakest link, right? You can't refer to them as your weakest link because people are your strongest asset. They're what help keep your business moving forward, whether it's your assembly line, whether it's you, you name it. The people you have are your strongest asset. The type of attacks they're facing today is social engineering. Yeah. Like if, if your grandmother is willing to open something up and pay someone $400 Hopefully it just for gives a percentage or something no and not like names. Is. Imagine when someone gets an email from a known email address asking them to do this and it's someone they've worked with, right? It's from a company they've done business with mm-hmm. 
and it's, they're not even asking for anything bad, but in it they send other information, a PDF, etc. And before you know it, you're you're making a few modifications for them real quick because now they're CCing in some of your management. But little do you know, they've gone in and changed their mailboxes, so it's going straight to their spam. Yep. Well, Brian, the thing is, like, these are educated now. Like the one that I was talking about earlier, wow. the big check one. They this they knew the CEO's calendar. They knew he who he was meeting with, and it was basically like, hey, I got a nine o'clock. You know, can you get it done before my nine o'clock with so and so? You know, emergency. You, yeah. Can you send it to this routing number? I'll explain when I get back. I'm under the gun right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like a, it was like a holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, and then you know go do. And didn't but think I talked twice. To, but I talked to another CISO at that same table who said, well, we have this once you take training. Second time you meet with the CISO. Third time you meet with the CIO. Fourth time you could be fired because you're meeting with HR. And I was yeah. like, whoa. And they were like, well, it's never gotten to that point. And I said, what point is that point? And they said, it's never gotten to number four. <sighs> and I go, but what does that do? Like, can you show that your training has actually, and he goes, I'm going to say this. I cannot show that any amount of training has either increased or decreased the amount of, you know, clicks, phishing awareness, et cetera. He goes, because the volume increase that we see of phishing emails from our, from our company being sent to our phishing team to look at, which maybe only 10% of them are really phishing emails the rest is just people worried because they don't yeah. want to click. You know who the biggest culprits are of opening them? Management. Number one is this IT security team. Number two is HR. We had someone on our show that was a, uh, was a CISO or VP of security for a bank, and they would leave thumb drives around in a parking lot, and people would find them, turn them in, and then HR would plug them in, like just <laughs> like like what are you going to find? What are you looking for? This was the this is the best one I've heard. Someone did a phishing exercise, a training exercise, where they sent out an email that was clearly phishing. And I forget what it is, but you report it, and you immediately get an email back, and it says, congratulations, you passed. See where you rank against your colleagues. So everybody clicks this. So everybody clicks to see where they rank against their colleagues, except that one was a fish. Ah, because think about this. If, if you're getting that phishing email, this, this goes back to the social engineering aspect. If they already have control of a compromised email, right. And able to see your in and out and you send something right. Or forward this on to known this, follow it right back up with this. And I was like, that was the most clever trick. How many people clicked on it? And they were like over 50%. 50. Wow. Because typically, I mean, here's the thing. Microsoft, they actually have a really nice tool. and But here's the thing. They all look the same, and you all know it's coming when you see it. Like, it couldn't be, you know. And that and that's the one thing. It's like, how often? And see, here's the thing. Like, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to all this stuff, right? I'm a sales guy, right? We've, we've no, noted. We've, Don't sell yourself short there, Bob. You're, you're a tremendous yourself. slouch. You're, <laughs> um, but I always said, like, if you ever get an email and it's from Wells Fargo, like, don't click the link. Just go to wellsfargo.com, right? And then that, that'll tell you, you know, that'll tell you what you needed to know if it was something that was real. You know, if you get an email from Walmart, don't click the link. Just go to walmart.com and log into your account, you know. So so that's if it's coming from Wells Fargo. But we've seen on our side, 
where you literally have threat actors that will stand up a page for something. And then we just saw this recently, like a month and a half ago, stand up a page person calls the number and on the other line is the threat actor. And he gets them to go ahead and make the transfer of $165,000. I mean, that's how quick, right? Like, yeah. so, and, and so I, I, Bob, I like where you went with this, right? Because this was kind of out of the box. I just moved over to email security. So, you know, why abnormal, right? And yeah, yeah. people always ask the name too. Why, why abnormal? Why the name abnormal? But if you, if you look at where the EDR market went, very similar to, I believe, what is going to happen in email security when you just look at the numbers. If this is all predicated on a legacy, basically antivirus email security platform that looks for known bad, now that you have Office 365 and G Suite, all they've done is move their antiquated hard, hardware into the cloud, right? Set up a VM, you're still looking for known bad. It's still dependent upon reputation. How do you stop an internal attack east to west, right? How do you stop something where the person who's sending it is an account takeover, right? right. Your, vendor, your vendor's been compromised. How do you stop something that has no attachment, right? No bet, no known URL or IP, right? You, you, those are the things that get through. So if you look at it from when we were just talking in the very, very beginning, joking about Google and Amazon and how... They know you better than you know yourself. All day. Yeah. So they know what you want to buy before you want to buy it. Why is that? And people are like, well, because it listens to me. That's, that's not true. All the signal intelligence that they have from all the different products that they have and all the different features in their product, whether it's Microsoft or G Suite, if you could tap into that signal intelligence, right, and use that information to profile Bob as a person, Figure out known good. Same thing EDR does. It's not looking for known bad. It's looking for the behavioral change. Just, then you can look for what's abnormal. And where I'm going with that is the guys who created this technology are the guys that created the ad tech for Google and Twitter. Twitter bought Telepart, right? Like our CEO created ad tech technology that Twitter part or that Twitter bought, right? Like that's that's pretty powerful stuff. And you're like, so these were ad tech guys, not security guys, hundred percent. But that made them data scientists, guys, guys that really understood how to create a behavioral engine. Sure. Why wouldn't they be just content selling ads? They can kiss my ass, all of them. I just get an ad yesterday for 80s tees, and it's a planner's cheese ball t-shirt. And I'm like, it's like you know me. It's like you know me better than I know me. It's like I need to have this $40 80s tees t-shirt. Like you you complete, you ruined my life. Who knows? That, that, could, that could be Abnormal's next skew. Like, hey, you bought this great email security product. Now we're going to sell you this advertising product that you can... No, I'm totally kidding. You hope not. But I mean, you, you, you look at the, the capability of being able to plug into all the signal intelligence that Microsoft or G Suite has. What you were talking about, Bob, about when someone was putting some time urgency on there of, hey, I really need you to get this done You know, before nine o'clock. I can explain why. Maybe they follow it up with something else and CC somebody else in and say they can also vouch that we need to get this done. But yet that's going to that person's spam folder. If you had all the signal intelligence that Microsoft has around all the email from geolocation to be able to look at the content analysis to understand that there's some urgency, there's something that's financially motivated, where that's coming from... There's 70,000 plus signals. So when I say signal intelligence, 
70,000 plus signals that you can look at right there and allow to make a judgment that that's abnormal. And people are like, does it work? You'd be, you'd be <laughs> incredibly impressed, right? That, you know, does Amazon know what you want to buy tomorrow? Today? Yes. All day. Yeah. Right. They totally know. It's that data science, right? And the ability to so is it use- kind of like so is it kind of like machine? You know, when we're looking at machine learning, we got a, a couple of really cool projects right now. When we're doing like QA for parts, and they take pictures of parts, and that becomes a digital birth certificate. And then we're running it through a, basically a scan, and then we're baseline normal, and then looking for weird or looking for abnormal, right? Pardon the you know, but then yeah. that's that it, it's basically shrinking down QA from like days to like seconds because they're doing it actually now. Uh, if you Google it. Um, they're doing it for like lung cancer where they're like scanning patients lungs. And this thing is like using machine learning and like looking for like whatever weird looking for, you know, like something odd. Is this kind of using same principles or it's like baselining normal looking for weird or is it just, just looking for weird period? No, so same, same exact principles. Cause first you go and create a baseline for what normal is and healthcare is a great example. What you were just saying there, think about all the data that's been collected over the years from a healthcare standpoint. Right. Seen, yeah. And, and it's literally why was the internet originally created? It was created so that universities for professors, porn. right? That were, yeah, to be able to share info. Oh, sorry. I'm totally you missed that. It said for porn. Here I thought he said as a forum. No. And I was like, <laughs> no, yeah, ex- no. exactly, Bob. <laughs> Here I'm like agreeing with him. Exactly, Bob. Right. Um, just for all the listeners out there, I did not agree with Bob when he said that it was invented for, or that it was used for porn. But from a the views from a, and opinions expressed by our guests are not the <laughs> go on. Sorry, <laughs> no, you're fine. But that's why the internet was created to be able to share information fast, yeah, yeah. right? So as you had researchers talking, so all that data that's out there from these guys from the science world, if if you were able to create that same bit of here's what normal is for a healthy lung, right? And now imagine that you could do here's what normal is for a healthy lung in a two year old, three year old, four year old, five year old, six year old all the way on up. So as you as you change, as you grow, but also as your internal body changes and you're able to see those differences and think about all the information we have on cancer today, right? What different cancer cells look like, malignant. You name the different type of cancers, the, the ability to pick that stuff up early. And you're going to see the same thing in automotive where it comes to being able to pick up on brake failures and all this other stuff earlier on because now you're going to have a lot more signal intelligence being shared earlier. Right. Today, you have that in email. You have the signal intelligence. It's how you use it. So it's taking that data science, like you said, creating a behavioral approach, applying it, and saying, so that's exactly what these guys did, was they were like, hey, CIOs and CISOs, you know, they went to panels of people and said, what problem, what are your top five problems that you have today that technology isn't solving? And in the top three, business email compromise kept coming, rising to the surface from CIOs and CISOs. Hmm. And these guys got together and were like, you know what? That one seems like something we have a lot of experience in. These guys that created this ad tech, like from a data science standpoint, if we had all that data, got together with some security folks and said, how can we go ahead and and use this information to create a baseline? And that's what they did. So what you were saying was, I don't know if that's how do you look at what abnormal is, right? That's how they came up with the name. Here's a baseline of creating who Bob is. Right. Here's, here's abnormal. So let me, I guess, if you were going to ask me, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you ask somebody how crime dropped or risen since like the 80s and everybody's going, it's risen. No, it's dropped like in half. Like I would assume email usage 
is almost on that same trajectory where it's like dropped in half because we're all using we have slack channels and we have teams and we have you know sms on our phone and you know what i'm saying like how much now is it is are you guys working into alternative methods of communication because there's no one perfect way anymore to talk to somebody at a company no that's very true but typically when you see something like let's say linkedin you you've obviously seen the the rise in what they are calling social engineering on linkedin right it typically Not always what is that so social engineering where it could be a fake job posting right ah, people oh, are yeah, replying yeah, back yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. or someone's messaging you right in it, you believe it to be the person you thought you were doing business with, right? And they're sending you something like, hey, I meant to get in touch with you. Yeah, here's that file you asked, or here's this, right? right? But it typically leads back to email at some point. Even even when it comes to fake job postings, right? Like, you know, send me your email address and I'll send you the the download or the attachment or I'll send you this. It does always typically lead back to email, now, you can still have attachments, but when that's being done on your phone, applications don't communicate the same way, right, via the phone. And if you're going to do a fund transfer, right, for your company, typically you're bringing that piece of document documentation in. But don't get me wrong. It can start on the different messaging services, sur- the different messaging surfaces and lead right over into your email. The ability to pick that up and understand, you know, from just – a content analysis, behavior analysis, that what's changed, right, in the rhetoric or the tone of the email, where is it coming from, who is it coming from, all that becomes really, really, really important. And those are the things that traditional email security does not look at. And that's what makes it so fun today because email security is now really based on social engineering. So when people say that people are your weakest link, well, it's because social engineering is unique in the way the attack works. It's going after emotion, right? It's getting people to do things because you're, you're putting pressure on them. Mm. I like think Bob, too- Bob, has anyone ever put undue pressure upon you to make you drink more than you wanted to or maybe make you say things, you know, in a public forum that you didn't want to? Yeah, I don't need much help in asking me to have a – would you like another? Yes, I would. <laughs> See? It's e- boom. Done. No, I'm the easy one. Yeah, I'm the easy one. Um no, and, and is that like the last bastion of like social engineering since like everyone, the, since the advent of like zero trust? Because it's, you know, they've made it more difficult to compromise accounts now. They've made it, you know, basically they're masking their IPs you can't see, but you can still get to them from email. Um, is that like the last hurrah of, of getting into those companies or getting into those people? So, and I, I really look at it as the last hurrah, honestly. Like if if you're looking at the easiest point of entry, right, or the easiest... I shouldn't say easiest from the point of entry or initial point of entry, right? There's the level of different threat actors to be able to get in. That's kind of everybody's first, first hurrah. If you want to say that, right? Sure. You don't have to be, you know, an APT group or a government entity that's well-funded to be able to go ahead and start socially engineering or going after people. But if you really wanted to be creative with it, there's a lot of money to be made doing it. But even, even ransomware, Bob, 70% plus ransomware comes through email, right? I'm Mailware. shocked people pay. I am shocked to the core that people pay. 
And when I find out why, it's because they don't back up for shit. They don't have their stuff straight. They don't, you know, because usually if you got ransomware, you could just go, okay, I'm just going to turn the clock back 15 minutes and you know, wipe you, you know, you didn't, you never existed. Bye. Um, yeah, it, d- it depends on the vertical though, because if you look true. at manufacturing, it's like, how fast can we get back up and running? What's the cost if we're down a week versus if we're yeah. down for six hours, right? My, uh, my, Buddy, his father-in-law's business got hit. They sell HVAC parts. There's like 17 locations. Everybody that works there was worked there for 50 years, right? And all they did is they went to paper, and then they went back two days or three days, whatever the last was, and they for two days they did everything on paper, and they missed nothing. Um, Good for them. And they paid nothing. They're like, you know, um, they're like, what, do, you know? And he's like, can how can I stop this? And I, when I told him what it's going to cost him to stop it, he's like, well, f it, I'll just take my chances, you know. Um, See, and, and that's the thing. If you look at ransomware, so what you just said, the, the ability for people to be creative, right, and to work through it, going back to paper and might feel like, God, that was so 20 years ago, but that's literally how you were running your business. To go back to it for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, so what? It takes a little more effort. Right. But you get through it. It's it's the, the social engineering email attacks where – out of nowhere, they got your accounting group to go ahead and pay. And it's funny because you were talking about the small little HVAC shop. Yeah. My brother-in-law's in insurance. Actually, he's in insurance, but this story did not come from him. Um, <laughs> to, talking about a client, and he was like, when it comes to um, small shops, he goes, we have a small contractor that bought a brand new excavator. And apparently somebody got in the middle of the, he goes, is it possible to get in the middle of an email conversation? He goes, I thought hackers just do ransomware. I go, no, no, tell me more. He goes, they got like in the middle of the conversation and then sent an invoice for the excavator. The first payment got paid. The excavator never got delivered. The second invoice comes through and they paid that as well. It wasn't until they followed up to find out when it was going to get delivered that the company said, well, we've never received a payment. And that's when the third invoice was coming through, right? That's not a cheap machine, right? Especially for a small business buying. Those are like half a million dollars, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So imagine you just made all these payments, right? For one, you don't have the piece of machinery that you need. And for two, now you're trying to file an insurance claim. And he goes, honestly, Brian, he goes, almost... Everyone I talk to, like that I have insurance policies with cybersecurity wise, they're all going massively up. And when they ask me why, the answer is, well, it's cybersecurity. He's like, I I don't know why. Crazy. But it's it's examples like that. I mean it's yeah, yeah. it's not just the big companies that are getting hit. Everybody is being socially engineered or from the new business email compromise standpoint, from a point of entry, I mean that's it's, it, it, I, don't, I don't even want to call it low-hanging fruit because some of the examples I was talking about were big businesses. I'm talking like some of the largest automotive suppliers in the world where literally they have a process set up because that it's so frequent. People reaching out to try to, from a vendor compromise, and Bob, you live in the Detroit area. Randy, you're familiar with the Detroit area. It, GM Ford could have 400, 500 suppliers just on one vehicle, right? Maybe 780 direct suppliers, over 1,000 suppliers when you count in vendor IT. Bob, you want eyeballs on his audio podcast? The number of vendors that you do business with, that if any one of them has a compromised email, that email is now being sent from them to you. (laughs) It's a good email address. They were the ones compromised. You do business with them. 
right? Their ability to come in there and sit. Like if, if you had a way to look at all your vendors you do business with, and this is something that I was trying to explain to our management team. I'm like, guys, this is gold. We have something called vendor base. And they're like, yeah, but so good. this isn't that important to you know all of our customers. I go, automotive it would be. I go, you have a summary of every single vendor without them telling you, Bob, without you telling me who you do business with, like you're Ford Motor Company. You don't tell me who you do business with. I come back to you seven days after doing a baseline and I can tell you every single vendor you do business with and anywhere we've seen where they've had vendor compromise. And we pulled these up before where it shows like, here's your top 20 worst vendors. And this one had 20 compromised emails, 50 different impersonations. And you're looking at that, you're like, Jesus, yeah, they're a heart attack waiting to happen. Why don't you go talk to your purchasing team, get them on the phone, <laughs> ask ask them to do a little fix there, right? Well, and those are the tier threes that can't afford, you know, those are those are no different than little HVAC shops. Most of those are like the Hercules tool and I that my dad and my uncle worked at. They're just like these small shops that have like literally no, the only IT they have is CAD, right? They're- but those are the ones where if you could see that information though, all it takes is one bolt one screw to shut you down, right? Mm-hmm. That's where your team needs to go in and say, hey, we're, we're willing to work with you, right? If you're willing to come in and help me on my quality and my shipping and everything else, security needs to be one of those things. The difference is you're not sending your purchasing team to go in there and be like, so here's what you need to do, right? But you, there's not enough security people to go around at the companies right. to be able to go in there and, and offer support or advice. So, Steams, before we let you bounce, I want to I want to give you a plug. I always appreciate other podcasters. Um, you guys have been launched for a while now, but the great security debate. And um, I guess go ahead give a give a cheap plug for it because it's actually pretty good. And I want to I want you guys to get some more eyeballs. I mean, the great security debate podcast. There's there's probably two things we're known for. It's it depends, which is, I mean, you could literally get a. $500 for every time you hear the word, it depends if you got a dollar for each time it came out. And two, um, great group of guys, Dan Ayala, Eric Willie, CISO from American Axle, CISO from Dotmatics, great guys. Um, and they're big fans of IT and the D as well because we were just nice. talking about it the other day. Nice, nice. I appreciate that. Yes, eyeballs on the audio podcast. I mean, you have to type it in your phone, Randy, or wherever that you listen, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Fine, call me out. Call me out. Fine, I'll make fun of myself on the show notes. Brian Schneeps, appreciate the time, man. Um, we'll we'll uh, put all the notes in the show notes. But abnormal security. If I'll uh, put your LinkedIn in the show notes too. If they, anybody needs to give you a holler, um, it's definitely worth. Uh, maybe he'll take you to that Mexican place he took me to. That's like the best lunch I've ever had in my life. Carnival um, Market, Pontiac Carnival Market. Yeah, I still think about that. Um, but hey, we're gonna wrap things up for episode four four two of the IT and the D Show. I'd like to thank Brian Schneebly from Abnormal Security and the Great Security Debate Podcast. On behalf of Bob and Randy, do us all a favor: drink every drinks, get your phone numbers. You don't gotta go home. You just gotta get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.